Hello and welcome to the Centrist Dads podcast. We're not all centrists and we're not all dads. My name's Adam Radford in Valencia and I'm joined by Kieran Seymour. Hello. And Alex Najan. Hello. Fellas, um, what, have we been, what have we been up to this week? Um, I have been up to uh, not a lot um, because I can't do anything um, <laughs> because of uh, the glory of lockdown part three. Um, probably the worst um, sequel to a sequel um, that, 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 that as there's ever been, really. Um, but no, just making the most of um, working from home um, and uh, having more time with with the little one because I am a dad. Um, <laughs> whether I'm a centrist or not, I I. I don't know, but I can definitely lay claim to the first part. Before you clarified what you meant by the little one, it, you, let's be honest. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, can promise it wasn't that. Yeah, of course you can. Uh, Alex, what have you been up to, mate? How could I follow that introduction from Kieran? I mean, um, getting acquainted with 2021, been taking it easy, really, whilst we're getting into this new lockdown. I wish I was in the sunnier uplands of, of Valencia, which obviously isn't sunny, it's snowy. But yeah, I've been uh, just, just plodding on. I haven't read much BBC news since since I've arrived, or at least not nearly as much as I used to. But I did notice that, that snow in Spain was one of the most read stories. And um, it's not actually snowing in Valencia. Um, it's snowing everywhere around Valencia. Some parts it's like minus thirty degrees. Some parts of the country, which is bizarre to think of Spain, you know, being minus thirty degrees. Nobody's got the windows open for ventilation because it's so blooming cold. So it's um, it's brilliant. But uh, today was clear skies, so that's good. So are you guys allowed to just mix over there? Yeah. No, but some people have been. Right. We was being really care. careful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know whether there's some kind of like false security with the knowledge that the vaccine is on, you know, at the beginning stages of, of a rollout. Um, but it's much it's much slower here um, for the vaccine rollout. That could, that could be another talk for another day. Yeah. Because we have a corker to kick us off for our, our trial episode and for 2021, Kieran. What is our international story of the fortnight? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it could only be one thing, really, that uh, that has um, really captivated all of us uh, for the week. Um, the climax to the Trump years, hopefully, anyway. The storming of the Capitol building, which you kind of have to pinch yourself to kind of really get the the gravitas of, of what actually happened it was it was last week i remember my dad texted me and he says i can't believe what's happening and i was like oh god what's going on turn the news on and just sat there with a, a bottle of wine and just watched uh, um american news for four hours sounds sounds remarkably civilized just sitting down watching a riot like yeah. uh, a few hours with a with a nice nice bottle of uh, Shiraz. Yeah, um, it, it yeah. was it was like watching a political thriller, but then it was actually happening. There was definitely a sense that we were watching history, or at least I I don't know if you felt that, Alex, but I definitely felt that as I was watching. It's like this is going to be something that kids learn about in school if they're learning about the Trump years in the future. That in this dying days of office, that people stormed the capital yeah it definitely was surreal and having been to capitol hill and walked to the house of uh, house of congress and the senate it's just it's how it's so held in high esteem and high regard that the that the americans uh hold those two those buildings and the members um and the the power of the constitution and even if you go to um philadelphia and you go to the very first house of congress and the senate it's, it's just it's it's just surreal that it happened and it's that the president with his shallow ego and his narcissism allowed an environment for that to happen. And I think Mitt Romney put it best, the uh, former presidential candidate in 2012 and the current Senator for Utah, when he, when he apparently shouted to 
Republican lawmakers who'd 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 in, who'd encouraged all this and gone along with this with this behavior from Trump and said, "This is what you got." And I think this is absolutely correct. I mean, you look at some of the craziness that has happened as well. That with the um, with some of the the social media output that's been going on with the Republican uh, Congress Congresswoman, Congressmen, and Congresswomen, Dan Crenshaw in Texas, he posted a video of himself with that was treating it like he was some sort of spy, some sort of American patriot, creating a high budget, big budget video, attacking Antifa like he was just some sort of patriotic duty. You've got a, a Colorado Congresswoman as well who released a big budget video. A green screen about how she was going to carry a gun. Twitter have blocked, have locked her out of her account after she tweeted Nancy Pelosi's location. But I mean, it's it's just been absolutely insane. I think the the, the likes of Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, really for their own political gain, should be ashamed of themselves for what they have encouraged and what they've gone along with, knowing that it's it's essentially just baloney what they've gone along with. It's just as Joe Biden would put it, he'd say it's just malarkey. There's been no fraud. Um, and I just think it's it's scary. And I think we're, along with this pandemic and uh, w- with um, with what's happened uh, last week, I think 2021 is going to be uh, a bit of a, a rocky year. That is it. That's a very polite way to say compl- it's going to be. Uh, it, I, I don't know how it was covered back in the UK here anyway. Um, I tend to watch Channel 6 News and it's it's fairly... Uh, it's fairly what, is that like... Spain's BBC. So they have they have like a range of public broadcasting services, some of which are on the right and some of which are on the left. You know, not not um centrist far ads. far right or far left. Yeah, some of the centrist ads will be happy with watching, but just more comfortable with watching probably the centre left than the centre right. That's all. They referred to uh, the people who were storming the Capitol on Channel 6, at least. There's no equivalent, but basically um, that they were taking part in a coup. Mm. So uh, they were golpistas, and a golpe is a coup. So they, these people were taking part in a coup. And, I mean, for me, it was more reminiscent of the Orcs. I know the Urukai at Helm's Deep when you saw people climbing up. And I just think that it it wasn't... A, I, don't think it was a, I don't think it was a coup, but I, I think it was something which would have tested the leadership of anybody, of any of any leader of any nation when your capital building is being stormed, especially when they are people that fanatically support you. Like that is the moment when you can see the leadership of somebody and whether they value country, democratic process, whatever you want to call it, above themselves, above their own self-interest. Mm. And that clearly wasn't borne out in the slightest. E- even this this sort of pathetic three minutes we love uh, you're very special we love you you but you've got to go home now but they stole it from us it was still whipping things up when he was doing that video yeah and you're right that coup is it's not the right word because they they were never they were never gonna you know remove the government as such it was never gonna be that it was and it, it was, but it was, it was dangerous, and it, you know, it was worrying, and especially with the right to hold arms over there. You know, you never can be too sure what's going to happen. You know, that's that's why that law exists. When you feel the government is um, denying you your freedom, you have the right to bear arms. You know, those and those people. You know, that's. With- with the exception of in in DC, you can't carry arms. Oh, can um, you not? I I don't Ooh. think so, Alex. You no. probably know more than I do, but I th- I think you're not allowed to carry guns in in the DC city limits out in public. I don't know, but I I don't have her name off the top of my uh, off the top of my head, which I probably should. But the uh, again the the recently elected con- recently elected congresswoman for Colorado uh, says it's her constitutional right to carry her pistol. Um, in the House of Congress, and she she attends to to carry it with her. Her excuses that because she's five foot, that she should be allowed to defend herself in one of the most uh, highest crime one of the cities with the most highest crime rates in the entire of the United States. But I think going back to your point, guys, about the rhetoric and how Trump said, "I we love you," and it wasn't a coup and everything like that. I thought it was interesting looking at the disconnect between his language, Trump's language, and his actions. 
he never really says that he he he's never really there on the ground with his supporters. He's there hosting the rallies. He's there encouraging the the frenzy of uh, lock her up or something like that. It's a it was a rigged election. It was stolen from us. Now go out there and demonstrate this with the lockdowns in like Michigan with the the governor in Michigan. He created an environment. We need to open up our we need to open up our states. And he encouraged protesters to go outside of the governor's mansion, the 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 government the the the, um, the government the government buildings in Michigan, for example. And I think you notice there when he's saying we're going to walk down to Capitol Hill and we're going to demonstrate. He didn't walk with them with those protesters. He just he just he just encouraged them to go down there, and we're going to go peacefully peacefully go down there. And he knew that that wasn't going to happen. Even with his long rambling account of, of the speech that was just disturbing, rambling, didn't make sense, uh, and he's saying, "Don't we don't you don't concede, you don't do anything like this when it was t- taken from you," and you know it is it is dangerous, and I think that that's just so interesting watching the disconnect between just his rhetoric and his actual and it's just his actions, his um his legislative achievements speak for themselves. He said all these things like, oh, "I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that," really he's just withdrawn from a lot of things hasn't actually implemented a lot and that was his record do you think when he he does this stuff and says these things especially with this one because obviously like it's all about him that he's he's an egotist and everything is about him and his image and he's a tv personality that that's how he really made his name and that's how he won the election that's how he runs politics um do you think when this actually happened, in his head, on in in his little room wherever he was, did he go, "Oh, oops, I didn't actually think they'd do this," or do you think he was just like, "Oh, right, okay, this could be interesting," you know? This is the theatre studies of of Kieran's degree coming out there in the acting of Trump. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Is he going to be like, "Oh," or is he going to be like, "Oh"? He's covered a lot of these things. Is what observed a lot that has gone on for over the past four years by watching television, and he's 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 played to the TV to to the uh, to the broadcasters and to the news corporations because whenever when in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen he'd often he'd be watching the news at his rallies at the Republican primary rallies. And um, with giving his speeches to different states, had he been making the news corporations wait before he came out? And he'd be keeping them waiting for about twenty minutes whilst they just kept hanging on, waiting and waiting and waiting. The ratings went up, and I think it is all just a show. I think it is just all this reality TV star, an extension of that, with the with the narcissism and the big showman and uh, and um, and everything like that. And I think he's just basically just a con man. Basically, I don't think he's. I think the only time that I've ever seen him think, oh, oh. God what has happened is in last was in 2017 i think it was in october 2017 when the uh in las vegas when there was a mass shooting and he looked genuinely he looked genuinely disturbed then but since then i haven't seen anything i don't think i haven't haven't seen any contrition i think his bizarre twitter video that he that he uploaded about we love you and all that i think just just so half-hearted and half-assed if you're a republican congress person or senator and you want to have the best chance of regaining complete control of the next election cycle, how do you react to this? I mean, because I'm saying this as if, like, they're the baddies, but I'm sure we would all rather have the Dems running America every, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But I think it's more interesting to think about what the baddies would do you know like what what do the republicans do because because there's there's a, a quite a large vocal uh proportion of the electorate that and a growing proportion of the electorate that is believing what trump and his and his sort of core group of spokespeople and and sort of i don't know if you want to call them rabble rousers or whatever what they're saying they believe they believe it you know and that that's including the QAnon people so if you're the if you're the republicans how do you react to this to to take the house i think it's fascinating how they react and the i've i've heard quite a bit this over the last week about how what what happens to the republicans after after you know um the inauguration and post trump and 
um, there, there's, I can't remember who it was, but I listened to a Republican who has basically set up a kind of a party within a party kind of thing to um, talk about um, uh, talk about how um, how they can pull the Republicans back from Trumpism and the fact that it's not just going to be that straightforward. I mean, we the there was uh, that same rally, um, Trump Junior. Uh, last Wednesday, saying this is no longer the Republican Party. This is uh, Donald Trump's Republican Party. It's going to be fascinating to watch over the next four years. I think it's a case of whether another Trump runs in four years as to what happens. Um, And I think you're going to... Those uh, fanatics are... Not for, in my view, I don't think they are fanatical Republicans. They're fanatical Trumpians. So, if there's no Trump there, are they gonna, um, you know, just go quiet and, and go away? And that that's gonna be the battle. And I don't know. Like I don't know enough about the inner workings and governance of the Republican Party. Can they can they stop people running as candidates? Like, it's difficult. Breaking news, by the way, Donald Trump has has been impeached twice, and he will now stand uh, face his trial before the Senate. So, um, it's it's difficult because if he if Donald Trump is is found to be guilty, then he he can be barred from from running again, from ever standing for office again, presidential office again. Uh, Again, I don't I don't know. I need to do a bit of research on this about whether he can run for Congress and the Senate. I don't think he'd. I don't think he'd dabble in that, though. I don't, I don't think he'd get into that. But I do think it is disturbing in a way that the amount of votes that he that Trump was able to put on for the Republican ticket from around about 60, uh, what was it, 62 million in 2016 to over 74 million in yeah. 2020. I do, I do think as it as it's at the moment with the amount of Republicans that have supported the Capitol riots voters. There is a very significant portion of Republican voters that do support the those riots and do think it was a rigged election. The Republican Party's got a very distinct choice now. I think it's it's got very its its path is very perilous if it wants to wrestle those like Mitch McConnell, Liz, Liz Cheney, the 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 Cheneys of the world, the Mitch McConnells, the Mitt Romneys, the the establishment old guard. They want to wrestle control from the Trump family. I think they've got they've got to vote with their conscience, really. And I think that's what Liz Cheney, I think that's what she's trying to do, is vote to be on the right side of history. Mitch McConnell's been said to he wants to wrestle the party away from Donald Trump. At the moment, the, the, the Republican Party is going down the path of uh, being the political wing of the Trump business empire. And I do think that the likes of Ivanka will try and run for the Senate, perhaps in two years' time. Um, and I do think she'd win a primary. Um, I think Don Jr. probably has political aspirations now. If if his father, I think he'll try and maybe run for president. I don't know. He'll try and run for some form of office, I think. And I think, again, with that bravado and that uh, that macho uh, strongman, again, like his father, I think he'll uh, try and run on the same ticket. So, yeah, I think it's very perilous for the Republican Party. They're, they are divided. Um I think Kevin McCarthy, who's the House, uh, is the House leader in the, for the Republicans. Uh, I think he was banking on supporting Donald Trump, so he went along with it all. But I think he's starting to, to hold back. I think he saw the gains that they made in the in the in the House in November, and thought, well, actually, now that we can, um, with this kind of performance, we can get the House back. But I, I think he's, I think he's, um, perhaps he's just, you know, withdrawing from the from the scene a little bit. There's a couple of there's a couple of things there that you said which is really interesting. It's number one for me, and what you said there is is that the Republican Party is is becoming or is at risk of becoming sort of the political wing of the Trump Empire, and this idea that that there could be this establishing of a dynasty, you know, a new political dynasty like a like a right wing version of the Kennedys, and and this is where it begins. The idea of another Trump running in four years time is something that loads of people have spoken about it wouldn't shock me at all the idea of a trump trump ticket double trump 
<sighs> I can I can see it happening, but it, it but it's it's what the other Republicans do. And the last thing that you said there, Alex, in terms of this person making up their almost making up their mind based on how effective in winning votes Trump was, rather than something ideological, that for me is the really scary thing. Because how far down this path do you go if it's popular and it and it's secure and it locks in forty percent of the electorate, but with a low turnout, you'll win a majority in a seat. Just go along for it, because then you know you'll win your seat again. And at what point is he willing to say enough is enough? I love the way guys are actually 20 minutes into the, this first trial recording that's breaking news whilst we're doing it. This is brilliant. And trial, a trial recording, no pun intended. And, you know, could this be the watershed moment where lots of people pile on who have been sort of sitting in the shadows and worried about coming out against Trump? Otherwise, the full weight of this... Trump fanatic QAnon chaotic mess. Well, it's not chaotic, it's organized, but this big grouping will just pile on top of them on social media and in the communities. And now they might feel like, let's come out and say, this was wrong. He's being impeached. We've got evidence. You know, everybody's seen the videos and everyone's seen the tweets and all this stuff. Now is the time. We, it's now or never, basically, to try and win back the Republican Party. I think my final point on all of this, and I think this is a real shame out of all this, is that what the reason it part of the reason it all happened last Wednesday was obviously the um, the uh, final two Senate seats being decided in in Georgia and um, both going to um, the Democrats and not the point that hooray democrats have got control but for me it was actually here's a county uh, with a huge city in atlanta that's growing and growing um and uh you know really the black lives matter movement i think Mm -hmm. had a profound impact on the uh the election for the the senate seats there and especially the the black senator as well getting elected. And I just think that that's, you know, for me, that's been lost and it could have been really celebrated that actually that, that Black Lives Matter whole movement, it's got its its issues within the organisation, but when you come down to the issue of um, equality for all, that protest and that movement had an impact, I think, on the outcome of that result and as a result has made um, American politics um, uh, fairer and, and better and more representative as a democracy which it should be and it isn't very good at doing that in terms of democracies and at the same time i think imagine if instead of thousands of trump supporters fanatics whatever you want to call them had stormed the capitol building and this point was made on cnn imagine if it was black lives matter protesters mm. or muslims or literally any or antifa literally any other group you can think what would be the reaction from major bodies there there would be more than five people dead i would i would imagine i would yeah i would imagine you're probably right um but yeah that's a really good point kieran yeah and i think again just to just go on just to reinforce kieran's point i mean in 2018 due to voter suppression of the black vote uh, you could argue stacey abrams just narrowly lost out in the the governor race and uh, Stacey Abrams went away for two years and organised the black vote to vote in the presidential elections because she knew that it was going to be key and crucial. She's done a, an excellent job of organising that vote. It's meant that Raphael Warnock beats Kelly Loeffler, and it meant that, uh, you know, so, and as he pointed out in his victory speech, his mother used to pick somebody else's cotton, and she got to vote for her son um, to be... Hmm. A, a, a democratic black senator in the South, I think is is remarkable. And that was overshadowed by that. And John Ossoff as well, a, a young Jewish man was elected um, in the other, in the other Senate race as well. And that, that hasn't been talked about. And I think that that's just so important. And I think unfortunately with this, with the, 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 the torrid nature of what's happened last Wednesday. These these two remarkable Senate races just haven't been given airtime, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. 
I think that's I think that's a really that's a really important point to round off that discussion because I guess what, one of the things that we don't want to um, end up in and, and that obviously we spoke about beforehand is that we end up with sort of repeating ourselves or simply just becoming another echo chamber because that's something which grinds our gears and I think it's pretty clear that we all pretty much agree <laughs> agree on the events that happened and it's been really interesting to hear the points that you guys have raised and especially Alex because your your knowledge on this surpasses mine by a country mile there was something that you wanted to talk about which happened domestically that I don't know too much about so maybe you could share uh, shed some light on that Alex well I just wanted to just to ask actually off the off the top of my just something that's off the top of my head it's just been in the news quite a quite a bit uh, along with the news of the coronavirus deaths, of course, but I suppose who's to blame for the the meagre state of England's food parcels at the moment? Um, so I just wanted to pose that question to the to the podcast. Adam, I don't know how clued up you are on it. So basically, there was a a, a image that went round on social media, um, which you've probably seen. Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I can't remember how long a worth of food. I think it was three days. I might be wrong. It was uh, supposed to be two weeks of food. That was two weeks of food. Yeah, it was supposed to be two weeks of food, but it was. I mean, it was just. It was like wartime rations. I mean, it was. Uh, it, was it was pepper wrapped in cling film. Um, it was just tiny, tiny, tiny portions of ingredients wrapped in, uh, just wrapped in bags, and it was just appalling. And and so this this. this and this is where it's interesting and there's a bit of a, de- a debate around it is this wasn't the um strictly speaking wasn't the government handing out these food parcels this was a, a private company um who the government have given a contract to uh, to deliver food parcels um so that's an interesting one in where the, the blame lies um but um, basically, um, that that's what happened, and there's been huge um, outrage since. Um, Marcus Rashford um, leading the campaign on social media, um, Keir Starmer in PMQs today um, did a, a, a number on on Johnson quite well. I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, basically, his fifth question was, um, you know, uh, what do you think about food parcels? Uh, this is outrageous. Johnson comes back. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yes, it's an outrage. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's disgusting. Um, Starmer then comes back with a document from the education um, government website, the uh, Department for Education's website, on what a, a, a recommended um, food bag should be for a week. And it is extremely similar to what the private company gave um bar two or three extra um additions um i've got the picture here right and i presume i'm going to hold it up to the webcam is this is this the one that you yeah. guys have seen yeah okay so so this is for 10 school days right and there's a loaf of bread a tin of heinz beans two bananas three apples two carrots two potatoes three fruit tubes some cheese that looks like it's wrapped in cling film that's been taken out of a larger cut from a larger piece some pasta that looks like it's wrapped in cling film and two mini malt loaf bites Jeez. and that's supposed to be two weeks do you remember um, that do you remember that program um ready steady cook where you green peppers red tomatoes and you bought in a, a random pack of ingredients the the contestant with the chef i don't think that if someone brought those things that are supposed to feed a family for a week onto ready steady cook the chef would be able to even make a meal out of it it's yeah i yeah uh, this picture in particular was about free school meals i think rather than like the whole family is that right yeah i still don't see how anybody could could do that how how could you get a full two weeks of lunch meals which would meet government health standards in terms of what there should be what parents should be giving their kids in terms of vitamins minerals calories whatever you know i don't i can't see how that's possible in that excuse 
for a food parcel and and to think that public funds were charged 30 quid for that and the mum the, the mum who took that particular picture said i could have bought all that for five pounds 22 and and yet the taxpayers as you as uk taxpayers that i've jumped the boat there's plenty of corruption that i have to pay for but you've paid for that somebody's got rich off it for me that's the really duplicitous horrible side of things that makes me really angry that somebody's done incredibly well out of this at the at the clear expense of in this case this particular this particular kid Mm. Uh, yeah it's one of go on alex i suppose with the 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 cost of how much it costs to make isn't that the inevitable consequence of of the government buying food directly from from somewhere that's gonna that makes the food up anyway. And if you if you buy a takeaway or if you buy a meal in the restaurant, it obviously will cost more to pay for it in like the restaurant or the takeaway than it would cost you to actually go out and buy the ingredients in the supermarket. So unfortunately, that's just the cost of going to a private a, a, a supplier to make up the meal for you. They are obviously going to charge you uh, a premium for it. Uh, so to, which Chartwells have done. I suppose that is that. That's just the, the playing the devil's advocate on that on that one there. So, do you mean it's in like so the, the 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 company in question is doing what companies do? Yeah, that's that they they have to make a profit in order to survive. They're fleecing the government. They're going to fleece the government. They're going to charge what they can to get out of the government for making up these meals. And I suppose that's just that's just how it's going to be. And but the reality of that, I do think it would be better, and it would I think studies do show. That you actually give the money directly into the person's bank account, the, the the parents' bank account. That way, that they 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 would then benefit more from than having this um one of these. It was like earlier in the year, wasn't it? They got a weekly voucher to spend in a supermarket instead. I can't remember, and and and, that, and now has it changed to this? I don't know. Yeah, I just seem to remember there being a big hoo ha in the news about supermarket vouchers and. How can we trust that they get spent properly by the parents of, of vulnerable children? And not obviously not saying that I agree with that, but no, 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 no. So I, yeah, I, the whole thing's a mess in my opinion, and I think um, it's it's not good that it it's only really um, got the traction because Marcus Rashford's so behind it and. You know, I I I know full well that um, Labour obviously um, oppose it and stuff, but you know, I I kind of want them to be um, more vocal and more out there about this kind of thing and really pressing the government on this so that they don't have to rely on social media influencers to to kind of get the government to change their hands and i know that's a, a very different question and way to take it and perhaps that's more of an issue of um secure um um that, that might be good to discuss another time but you know i think it's it to me the this whole last year with free school meals and food banks and it coming to the light again and again i think it's an area that needs huge reform nationally Mm. um because clearly something's not working um so yeah in terms of what's happened i think we've we've covered that how do you fix it you know i don't know any ideas (laughs) i'm inclined more or less to go along with what alex said in terms of the money going directly to parents and I think in the in the vast, 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 vast majority of cases, that would be well spent. I've also seen working as a teacher in inner city schools, working as a social worker. I've also seen where parents in extremely rare circumstances, but nonetheless, the children's lives have not spent money that they've received um, on things they should be spending it on for their kids. And it's it's though those are the kids that will fall through the cracks wherever there's money in the in the hands of these parents who are battling addiction or whatever. But I think it's important to bear in mind how much of a minority that is, whilst not 
shirking the responsibility because it because it will be very easy to say how patronizing are the government you've just got to give the money straight to the parents and that'll solve the problem and it would be equally easy and this is presumably what what would be happening on social media if if you know there was ever going to be anything close to an exchange and not just echo chamber after echo chamber but the other side could say oh how how dare you be so patronizing to working class families and say they're not going to spend their money responsibly and nobody's having a real discussion about substance which is clearly clearly money is not always spent responsibly by parents by responsibly i mean the the money that would be received in sort of in form of benefits or in their salary or whatever if it was being spent correctly we wouldn't have people in we wouldn't have people in uh children in the social services teams that i worked in whose parents have got pretty reasonable amount of money not obviously always on on benefits there's a massive misconception there but who would spend it on drink drugs and the kids would go to school without any packed lunch they would be too wealthy to qualify for the free school meals but the schools would give them the food anyway because they they knew what was going on at home and th- those cases do exist and i'd be worried that a conversation would would elude us because we would be caught between these two shouting matches of yeah on the one side how dare you ever accuse anybody of not spending money correctly for their kids on their kids and also are you just going to chuck money at people who are going to spend it on booze and fags neither extreme is correct and neither one is is fairly representing any concern and the labor party should be outraged about this i think you can you can put the safeguards in place you can give the money straight to the to the parents you can you can cut out the the, the profiteering companies and where you have parents not spe- in those extremely rare cases where you have parents not spending the money on the for their children in the ways that they should we we have a social services system like that we have system in place that should be looking out for those kids no, i i would i would argue there that um and you probably well know this adam from being a social worker there's enough stress on that system already to then yeah. have to try and take on this extra responsibility of that. If, if it was me, what I would do, government or opposition or whatever, I think we, if it's, the situation is that dire and that bad, I think we need some kind of national um, food bank support service, some kind of actual institution set up within government to deal with this um, because it's, it's clearly not going anywhere. It's it's you know it was a, a we we all thought it was a result of um, you know um, austerity after two thousand and ten, but it's not gone away, and we're in we're eleven years on from that now. It's just growing and growing and getting worse and worse. So if that's the case, it needs the time and the focus to be looked at properly and reformed and that you know if i was labor that was 100 percent something that i would be putting in my next manifesto immediately cost it up how much is it going to cost for us to have a team a department a task force whatever you want to call them to look at this issue properly and make sure children are eating healthily and adults that in in terms of adults that rely on food banks it's shocking shocking I suppose there's a few things in that. Uh, I, I think with what Adam was saying about um, about the, the sensible and rational conversation without the emotion, I remember over the summer when um, Ben Bradley, the, the Tory MP for Mansfield, said that he belie- wrote on Twitter that he believed that uh, the money that was people weren't spending the money wisely, that it was going on uh, crack dens, it was being spent on uh, alcohol. But the way that he wrote it was in a, a very sort of patronising, very aggressive manner, which was demeaning of people, I think. And there was a pile-on against him for writing those comments. It was the usual sort of Twitter pile-on, which obviously both sides get very uh, get very uppity with each other and nothing comes out of it, really. It subsides after a few days, and then the perception, obviously, is he's held as a sort of... He's held in contempt as a sort of right-wing uh, monster. And anyone that who does believe it, who doesn't believe in what he's saying is obviously held as a sort of a, a, a beaming light. But I think with, with what's with what Kieran just said, I think as well, I think there's 
there's a, there's a there is that argument there, and I think about having a bit more of a national scheme. And I think looking at it from the the increasing child benefits or universal credit, the answer for that is it's it's Rishi Sunak again with an ideological lens on. You could argue over the past eleven years with austerity and things like this, is that the the, the open ended commitments that he'd made at the start of the pandemic in around about April time. About giving as much money as anyone needed, what they needed, he he would front the bills. Is he's withdrawing that support, and he's been trying to undo that support and find a way to undo that support from the very beginning, really. And also, if you look at the if you look at the the more insidious mindset, which isn't really spoken about about really about the, those that are in government, is that the that the the that poverty in some way it's 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 the uh, it's a moral failure of the of the poor mm. it they're in that situation because it's their fault and they need to find a job any job that will get them out of it do you know what's funny say say that i have to it just sprung to me then i saw it in the news earlier the tory london mayoral candidate has today come out and said that homeless people should be able to save five thousand pounds for um uh cheap um housing uh, oh my god! I just—he has no idea, does he? Yeah. He has no idea. Five grand. Uh, yeah. Having a laugh. I think the yeah. opinion polls demonstrate where he's going to finish in, the, in any election, whenever that'll be. Yeah. Anyway, so I think he's—I think he's politically irrelevant, Sean Bailey. And I think, I think his record of trying to get elected to Parliament in 2010 as one of Cameron's A-listers, I think, says it all, really. But yeah, Kieran. It's it's just worrying, isn't it, that you know that those are the kind of people that that the the governing party of the country thinks it's acceptable to put forward. Um, but the thing is, this this shouldn't be a political issue. No, you know, no. That, that's the crazy thing. Like mm. there, there's there's a there's a healthy hierarchy of area. Of, food. Yeah, like <laughs> it's food food for children. Like surely, if there's going to be a a uh, something we can all agree on. Mm. From those of us who who uh, you know are on the, are on the left to those people on the right, if we could all agree on something, it's that kids should not be hungry. And that you're going poverty... to raise taxes so that we have to feed starving children. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Who's going to? Yeah, and it, but even even for even for the conservative who um, let's say is is sceptical about literally any government expenditure they benefit from the money going directly to the parents as well because they can see just as much as we can that 30 pounds has been has gone from taxpayers for this meager food parcel the company said it cost them 10 pounds to put together for five pounds worth of food like there's that's massive wastage that could satisfy fiscal conservative who even if they uh, they hate children like it's <laughs> clear, clear government waste but it just seems that there's there's something which it it, it should not be a controversial thing to say can we all just work to, can we all just grow up and work together on this because th- this clearly isn't working this clearly isn't working britain is what like the fifth biggest economy in the world or something and it's 2021 and this is what we're giving our kids. Um, it's just, it, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just outraged. Like n- now that I've had a proper look at that picture mm-hmm. and the, the, the thought that, you know, Marcus Rashford is spearheading this is good in terms of he's a high profile figure, but this, this, this should be the front page of every single newspaper because yeah. then the government would listen. That's the, that's the sorry thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like pe- and the public will listen. If this was on, if that picture of that meager food parcel was on the front page of every single newspaper for a couple of days, the government would do something because mm. they would ha- they'd be embarrassed enough to do something. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think, I think the problem with the issue is I think it's just sort of, uh, again, there's just sort of deaf ears you feel. When I saw yesterday on Channel 4 News, um, another Tory MP, Pauline Latham, was saying that. It was only lunch, and it's not the main. It's, not, it's not only one. It's like only one meal of the day, and oh. I suppose I think the question I think was put back to was, 
I'm sorry, but if this was your children, you were being fed on this, or they were being fed on this, would you like that? And again, they, they don't answer the question. And I, I saw today Piers Morgan, who, has, who, for whatever anyone says about the guy, I think has been uh, exam- exemplary throughout this period. I'm actually reading this book at the moment. I would actually read it. I am actually reading this book at the moment. Uh, Wake up! And he asked man, Matt Hancock, "Do you re- do you care about it so much that you um, that you voted against it? You thought you think it's the right decision, but you voted against it in the first place." And he would he would just give these half ass responses, and he was just not answering the question. And he was saying that I'm gonna. He, he wouldn't. He says that he he doesn't. He wouldn't answer whether he regretted it or not. And so you feel that. I, I mean, I just don't. I mean, I don't know. And not to go off on a tangent, but you just wonder that conservative coalition, that voter base that was formed under Boris Johnson's winning election under the Conservatives, twenty nineteen. The Conservatives' base at the moment is was is fitted on three pillars. Yours, there's the obviously the traditional Shire Tories. Then you've got your managerial professional um, Tory voters as well, and. And you've got your now you've got your working class leave voters in the north and the Midlands. Workington man, Worthington, Worthington. Workington man, Stoke on Trent. You've got those that are in you know you've got those in the Midlands, uh, Yorkshire. You've got those in the in in four mining communities. You've got those in in West Bromwich, uh, in the Midlands, in Wolverhampton. And you just wonder how on earth can they keep this voter coalition happy after all this is going, all what will happen after you know mass unemployment and the the response to the pandemic, which has been lamentable, which we can get onto another time, obviously. Hmm. But you just got to you just got to just got to wonder how how are they so doing so well, pushing upwards of forty percent in the polls. Why is that? I googled Pauline Latham. Um, she was one of the few sorry souls who supported Esther McVeigh's leadership bid, which sort of told me everything when I, when I found that. Uh, but do you re- do you remember watching the? Um, we don't even call them primaries, do we? Leadership debate. The leadership debates. Yeah, thinking like, oh my god, what are these horrible people <laughs> is going to is going to be prime minister? And yes, okay, they they might say some exciting things about broadband, but you know what do they say about foreigners, or what do they say about international aid? Or there is there is something which crosses multiple red lines that just made me horrified. And then obviously the more horrifying thing is that Johnson's leader, they're still sat in Parliament. A lot of them are in cabinet, and. It, of course, it's it's like well, of course, this is what we end up with. We end up with with this happening because because there's this really toxic side of the Conservative Party that that has been there probably since its inception about the undeserving poor and and that it's just frittering away money to give them any taxpayers' money. So therefore, we can trust business to be more efficient. And despite a clear piece of evidence that that's not working, as if we needed any more evidence. They're still going to persist. I know. Sorry, I know that was more of a rant, but it's just like, oh my god! I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Steele. He's a left-wing comedian. He's oh yeah, like the Mark Steele. Yeah, yeah. And he said that this is this is like playing the three the the three card trick face up, hmm. um, because we can all see what's going on, hmm. and the the dealer's going, which one's the queen? And we're going, is that one the queen? Yes. No, it's not. Like we can see which one the queen is. It's like, oh, where? Yeah, yeah. Who is to blame for this? We know who's to blame for this, and it's the people making the making the big decisions. And the best thing that can happen is for them to be turfed out. And the best thing for that is for an effective opposition that makes, uh, unfortunately, the, the the rather unpalatable thing about making political capital out of this, because it's making political capital out of poverty. But this is exactly the kind of thing that should unite everybody and should mobilise. Mm you know, Labour's voters, but also the grassroots activists. But that's obviously stunted at the moment because of, you can't get people going onto doorsteps because of, you know, so so we're stuck to social media where we've got the the Ben Bradleys of the world on loudspeaker permanently. And I think it's easy to write a tweet back at Ben Bradley saying how much of a he is, but but it's, it's harder to actually elicit change, but you feel good about it when you do write something negative in a social media driven society as ours is becoming and at the moment when people are on social media even more at least there's somebody high profile like Marcus Rashford bringing it to the to the public's attention 
but it really it really shouldn't be falling on his shoulders. Um, Kieran, did you want to make one one last point before we wrap things up? Yeah, one last point was just come to Alex's question about that Johnson um, tripod, if you want to call it that, of those three groups that, that got in that election. And I think what's clear to me is, yeah, they've lost a lot of points in the polls. What was it a 20-point swing or something over the last year? But I think there seems to be this core of around... 40% in the polls, I guess, that he is doing everything to keep through his policy so far and what he's, how he's governing the country. And I think that's how he's getting, getting away with it, but that's how he's still holding up. Um, that, that I think if you look at everything he's doing in terms of, you know, um, the coronavirus stuff, and again, it's a kind of topic for another day. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think all the decisions he's making are to keep that group for the next election to vote for him, and uh, it might not be popular amongst the majority of the country. Um, but the way that the boundaries work and the election works and the system works, he knows if he can keep that core happy, then he will be on always on fairly decent ground of getting re-elected maybe electoral reform could be an interesting topic for another day i think i'm sure we'll, we'll come on to it i know but i think we're probably going to wrap it up we've been centrist dads not all centrist not all dads uh thank you for listening um it's goodbye from me in spain bye-bye goodbye from me in sandbatch england i suppose goodbye from me in newcastle and the lime in england I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut that bit. I'm going to start again. I'm going to cut that bit. That was atrocious.